Hello, and welcome to another episode of East Daily's Midstream Edge podcast, where we connect molecules to money. I'm your host, Shireen Lakani, Senior Equity Analyst, and today we'll be talking about crude basis differentials with our in-house crude expert and energy analyst, Kendrick Ray. How's it going, Kendrick? It's good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thanks for coming in all the way from Houston just for this podcast. Uh, so today, I really wanted to chat through three big buckets, uh, three big topics. One, what's kind of an update, what's going on with the Midland basis? Two, what's the delayed Line 3 replacement going to do to Guernsey, Clearbrook, and WCS? And then three, kind of what's the dirty secret with the forgotten DJ basin? So we'll kind of go in one at a time, but maybe we can start with the Midland um, in DLS, we, you know, we talked about dirty little secrets. We talked about how we we're going to see volume shift from Midland to Cushing um, and instead start going towards the Gulf. Um, are we already starting to see that shift? Um, what's been the change in basis since we published that report? Like, Give us an update. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, yeah, so I would say for starting off with just Midland, looking at that, uh, we're seeing Midland about, I think it's about seven bucks back today from the Gulf Coast, um, yep. if you look at Houston pricing, but slight premium to flat with uh, with Cushing recently. And yeah, I mean, that's exactly the dynamic that you just talked about. Um, just capacity on Sunrise uh, caused an increase of volumes going north um, in the fourth quarter in early this year. Uh, however, we are starting to get some capacity um, that relieves a little bit of the constraints out of the Permian. Um, so we have Enterprise just recently announced the Midland to Echo expansion to 620 from 575. Right. So that, that should help. Um, that's supposed to come online this this month. Gives you a little bit of tightening of the spread. It should fill pretty quickly. So it's a very temporary effect on the spread. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, you have the 200,000 a day uh, conversion um, from Seminole. Uh, that's expected to come online. They call it Midland Echo 2 uh, coming on in April. So we would expect, I mean, just with that timeline, we expect, again, a little bit of tightening with the Gulf Coast temporarily. But the thing is, the Permian can fill 200,000 barrels a day pretty fast Um, right now, just from uh, displacing a little bit of the northbound volumes, um, just largely by incremental production growth. Uh, So again, we would expect it to widen uh, widen out a little bit after that. And you don't really expect uh, expect to see a sustaining in the tightening of the spread until we start to see Epic and Cactus 2 um, really bring on a substantial amount of capacity and then Gray Oak in the back end of this year. And Cactus and um, Epic, those are what, in June, July? Yeah, so uh, the timing, I, I think I mean, they're trying to get yeah. on as soon as possible. There's a huge advantage in every incremental month uh, they can get on earlier. Right. Uh, Epic is really guided to early uh, end of 2Q, early 3Q. So probably looking at that July timeline. Cactus 2 is looking at September. Um, so the Epic line is the NGL conversion that's coming online and do an interim service. Um, but it's looking to be about 400,000 barrels a day. Okay. Um, so it's a substantial amount that will tighten the spread. Uh, and then what helps is then in Cactus 2 is that you're getting another 400,000 a day um, by you know, about September coming online, uh, which is expected to ramp to 670 by 1Q20. Yeah. Um, so until then, like just from the Midland to Echo lines and the Seminole conversion, like how tight do you see 
bases getting or how wide do you see bases getting um, until the other pipes come online and once those the the recent um, expansions are 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 filled yeah so I mean over the near term the market I mean you're gonna have a little bit of tightening I it's hard to imagine that the spread gets much wider than it is now um, uh, you should have a little bit of tightening with the two enterprise projects when they come online and then widening probably about to where we are today. Uh, but really after you have Cactus 2 and Epic come online, um, that's when you should really start to see the spread tighten. Uh, so by the time, uh, just as long as the project, it depends on, you know, if the projects get delayed or not. Yeah. Um, but based on that ballpark, uh, really see it tightening, especially by 4Q19. Okay. Um, Gray Oak comes online at that period, adding 900,000 barrels a day of takeaway. Uh, by the time you add that third pipeline, you have a substantial um, excess of available uh, Gulf Coast capacity at the Permian. Right. Um, so what that does for us in the sense of spread, you're talking about roughly a million barrels a day, um, maybe 800,000 by 4Q that jumps up to a little bit over a million barrels a day in 1Q20 of available takeaway capacity. Uh, just to give just to kind of give context of what that means in terms of spreads. Yeah. So if we go back and just look at the last time uh, spreads were, uh, last time there was available takeaway capacity at the Permian, um, we can go back to 4Q16. Uh, that's when there was 500,000 barrels a day of takeaway out of the Permian, uh, 383 to the Gulf Coast of okay. available capacity. Um, when that happened, we saw we saw the Midland to Houston spread in 4Q16 average a dollar a dollar and five cents a barrel yeah um, and, and this us, time there's a lot more takeaway excess takeaway yeah exactly so that was um yeah so we saw a dollar of five environment for that quarter um midland was a slight premium to uh cushing during right. that period and that was with five hundred thousand barrels a day um when we look at 4q19 and 1q20 we're looking at an environment where you have you know approximately a million barrels a day of uh, of available takeaway capacity and approximately eight hundred thousand of of takeaway to the Gulf Coast. Right. Um, so when we look at that, one you have much more capacity. Um, you also have much more players and marketers. So a big reason why the spread gets so tight is that marketers are willing to discount tariffs um, mm -hmm. when to get the marginal barrel when there's ample available capacity. So. Um, we saw this back in 2016 with Plains uh, Enterprise and Energy Transfer led the way. Their marketing arms took losses so that the pipelines could get the marginal barrel. Um, when we look to, you know, end of this year and early 2020, don't really, ex I mean, we expect that to be worse. Uh, okay. I mean, they're marketing more barrels uh, than they were back then. Um, furthermore, you've added, um, you've added refiners um, that have a larger presence. So P66, Philip 66. Um, has an interest in Gray Oak. Um, so does Marathon. Um, Delic potentially has an interest in PGC, mm -hmm. um, which is still getting FID'd. Uh, so you have, you're adding refiners who basically act as marketers, who are yeah. buying crude in the basin, who's going to put additional pressure on that spread. So we're talking about substantially more um, available capacity to the Gulf Coast than we had in 4Q16, uh, more marketing pressure, and also just cheaper pipelines in sure. the fact that you know, larger pipelines are being able to offer lower tariffs in the first place. So when we look at that, we don't really, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to, to imagine that the spread isn't, um, it's hard to go against the spread go, uh, going below a dollar a barrel, okay. um, kind of for a sustained environment. Uh, um, yeah, when we get to, you know, 2020, 
Um, and then really beyond that, it just depends how many projects you expect to come online between Link to Webster and P2C. Yeah. So let, let, let's talk about that a little bit, right? So the, you've got the Exxon Plains, Wink to Webster pipe um, that hasn't been FID'd, but it's been proposed. I think it's a, a million barrel per day pipe that's been proposed. And then there's PGC, which is what, 600,000 um, barrels per day. Um, there's been kind of some thoughts about those two projects possibly combining. I know Exxon can probably pretty easily um, fill um, their a, a good portion of their million barrel per day pipe. So tell me what you think is going on with that. Is there any update? Um, what's kind of the timeline? Any news on that? Yeah, so when we're in the situation where neither uh, neither project has fully uh, actually FID'd yet. Right. Um, both of them have been in the process for a while. Uh, it seems very likely at least one will get done. Okay. Um, so do we need one? Like, do you do you see like down the line past twenty twenty, maybe even twenty twenty one? Are we in terms from a, from a production standpoint? Do we need another pipe, or is the overbuilt going to last for a while? It's a great question. So actually, in our in our view, you do need one. Okay. Um, the reason being. Uh, one, you do have substantial growth out of the Permian. We approximated 850,000 barrels a day based on the Ford curve in 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, that's nowhere near the 2.27 million barrels a day, roughly, that we're adding over the next nine months or, I guess, a year. Uh, however, you also have to factor in these Gulf, uh, this capacity of the Gulf Coast is also stealing the railing and the trucking coming out of the Permian. Mm -hmm. And it's also taking volumes away, uh, northbound volumes out of the Permian that's going to Cushing right, right now. Right. Yeah. So when shippers have the choice to go to the Gulf Coast versus Cushing, um, they're incentivized the to go to the premium market. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, you could see about 600,000, uh, 500,000 to 600,000 barrels a day uh, shift over um, mm -hmm. from northbound uh, pipelines going to the Gulf Coast. Um, roughly 100,000 from trucking and railing. Uh, and then that just the growth itself right. when you add those on top it actually does can make sense for another pipeline to get done um mm -hmm. to the gulf coast um when you get out to 2021 okay uh, so both of them is quite a bit of an overbuild one would i mean a million barrels a day is a pretty large pipeline so right. that alone does take it where you do have a lot of available capacity but if neither gets done you actually could be in 2021 i mean you could be filling up you're, you're going to fill up most of your Gulf Coast bound capacity, which right. will cause spreads to widen a little bit by then. Right, right. Okay. So, okay. So we talked about the shift from flows from Permian to Cushing to Permian to the Gulf. That should alleviate quite a bit of pressure from Cushing, right? And is it enough to alleviate the the supply coming in from other basins into Cushing? What, what's the like? What's the relationship there? What's the balance still look like after after the shift from Permian? Yeah, that's a great question. So, yeah. So, I mean, when you're looking at Cushing, you really have to factor in the growth of the other basins. Uh, so when we look at the Permian shift, you're looking at about a million barrels a day going north out of uh, Permian right now. Right. And so historically what we've seen is that when Midland is a premium for a little bit, uh, for a month or two at a time to Cushing, um, we've seen those volumes drop to a ballpark 350 to 400,000 barrels a day. And um, they stay, I mean, is that like, is that contracted volumes? So yes, um, partially that. The other issue is that some volumes continue to move north um, because they connect to refineries. Refineries, right, right, yeah. refineries 
typically don't just switch crews um, based on a, a spread dynamic that shifts right away. It takes a lot longer. Um, a lot of it do, do a lot of it deals with the quality of the crude, and mm-hmm. it just takes time moving okay. uh, from different grades. So a lot of refineries, um, some refineries will likely continue to to accept Permian crude. Um, a because they have contracts, and B the refineries are used to it. Sure. And there's a process in switching that crude, and it just takes time. Um, so. We do model, so that gives us kind of a guideline of how much crude can shift away quickly. Right. Um, so when we look at, you know, we've had a, a big, a rapid rise in northbound volumes over the last year, which has put a lot of pressure on Cushing. Right. Um, well, we expect that rapid rise to, you know, to deteriorate okay. in, in, over the next over the next year. So we see about roughly five hundred thousand barrels a day um, of supply into Cushing moving over, uh, moving over to the Gulf Coast. Gulf Coast uh, directly over the next year. Um, so when you lower that much supply into Cushing, yeah, that more than offsets the growth we expect uh, coming into Cushing from the Anadarko Basin, yeah. from the DJ, from Guernsey, okay. um, Bakken via Potoka, and uh, in those Guernsey pipelines. Um, so it actually does it does more than offset the growth in the other basins. So it, I mean, you're basically. I mean, it's, it's the same thing of adding a 500,000 a day pipeline out of there. So right, yeah. when we look at 2020, we don't see a need for an incremental project uh, coming out of Cushing because of how much, because of the lower supply that's going to be going into it during 2020. Um, however, I will say when you go to 4Q 2020 into the year, um, in 2021, you have the effective line three expansion, right. um, which is bringing an incremental 370, uh, 370,000 barrels a day from Canada into the Potoka, which pushes down on Cushing market. So at that point, you would need incremental capacity. Um, But until then, uh, yeah, we expect as the Permian uh, relieves, um, as that basis relieves with Gulf Coast, as that tightens, we expect the same thing for Cushing. Cushing's going to tighten significantly with the Gulf Coast as well um, in the back half of this year. Makes sense. And good segue with line three. So we can kind of jump into that a bit. Um, So this... Line three replacement on the main line, on Enbridge's main line. It's um, talk about where it goes into. You said it's 370,000 barrels per day. It's been delayed down to 2020, right? I think. Um, so, what's that? That's probably, that's got to be putting a lot of pressure on Guernsey and Clearbrook, which is the proxy for Bakken, right? Because there's not a lot of northbound uh, takeaway anymore. Um, and so, talk me through like what's What's the dynamic between this delay and what's going on with WCS and Guernsey and Clearbrook? That's probably a lot. So yeah. um, no. no pressure there. Just answer it all um, at once. Um, yeah. So one thing at a time. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, the WCS. I, 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 th- I mean, that one's a pretty clear, um, a pretty clear effect. Uh, you're you're pushing back pipeline takeaway capacity by right. a year. So. Um, you know, Western Canada is going to remain constrained until that pipeline uh, comes online. You'll have some incremental railing um, come online in the second half of this year out of out of Canada. Um, the big issue with that right now is that your spread is actually too tight um, to incentivize a lot of railing. But did you see, like Alberta, the Alberta Alberta government, they're they're allowing for more production, right? Like they're pulling back the curtailment that they put mm-hmm. in place at the end of last year. So that should push put more press pressure on WCS and maybe even incentivize rail. And I know they've bought a lot of rail cars, so yeah. <laughs> interesting dynamic there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they have loosened uh, their curtailments. I think they started up 
325 at the beginning. Yeah. Um, they're moving down to 150 by July. Um, so they have brought off a decent amount of the curtailments. Um, yet probably see it more so going forward. Uh, so unless they're willing to rail at a loss, um, a lot of railing probably needs, I mean, this is an estimate, but you're looking closer to $15 uh, a barrel to start making it economical. So right. when you look at the back half of the year, what, as curtailments roll off, um, you know, Western Canada still needs, um, even at today's production levels, they need railing takeaway. Right. Uh, so um, at, in that scenario, you're, you're, the marginal barrel start it probably gets pushed back. Um, yeah, you know, another $5 from where that spread is today, roughly. So it just, you know, it depends on the railing economics, which is kind of range bound in that 15 to 20 range. Um, so, yeah, so Western Canada, I mean, that effect is clear. And you're, you're going to see pressure right. on that in 2020 until that line three expansion sure. um, comes online or the line fill comes online. Uh, so that one, I think, is pretty clear to the market. Um, I would say, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Bakken. The Bakken's dynamic is a little bit uh, trickier in just understanding the capacity um, out of the basin. So one of the big issues um, in the Bakken in 4Q of 18, so when we looked at October and November, yeah. basis blowout, um, one of, the, th one of the, the things to be aware of is that pipelines weren't full leaving the Bakken when basis blew out to uh, – in excess of you know nine dollars to barrel. So what was it? Um, so I mean, yeah, it was those northbound uh, yeah. northbound pipelines go, uh, out of the out of the Bakken. So it's Plains' Bakken line, and right. then as well as um, Enbridge's uh, Bakken line that go north. Mm -hmm. And the, the issue is that you know they have one hundred eighty nine thousand barrels a day of takeaway capacity, um, but they deliver into the Enbridge main line. Um, so the issue with that is that the Enbridge main line uh, when basis was significantly discounted out of Western Canada, was just heavily oversubscribed. And it's a common carrier pipeline. Um, so nominations are based on how much you subscribe for. Uh, so what was happening is that those pipelines going north were getting constrained on getting onto the main line because it was running nearly full coming out of Canada. Right. Um, so you only saw about 57,000, 50,000 barrels a day. Um, I think it was 57,000 between the two pipelines going north. Mm -hmm. um, in 3Q of 18, uh, you probably saw something similar for 4Q. So you're you're effectively cutting off about 130,000 barrels a day of actual pipeline capacity. So physically, there's room getting out of the Bakken, but you can't right. use it because you're constrained on the main line to get to the Midwest markets. Yeah, yeah. so it's like a secondary level of basis pressure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, when you have that, uh, yeah, I mean, the Bakken grew, I mean, roughly 208,000 barrels a day last year. So, uh, yeah, it got constrained. Um, we had a, you had nominations likely go down slightly in Canada, um, due to the curtailments, uh, from Western Canada. And then secondly, you also had, you know, DAPL capacity, um, add a little bit of takeaway, uh, yep. coming out of the Bakken. So, um, you've seen some relief, uh, but yeah, when we look the back end of this year, I mean, there's definitely some I mean, there should definitely be concerns about basis. Uh, for starters, you're, as the curtailments roll off, I mean, Western Canada is going to be, it continues to be oversubscribed, but it's going to be more oversubscribed in the back half of the year. So those pipelines going north are still going to be constrained. Right. Um, Enbridge has actually come out and said that they've worked with, it, made an agreement with the shipper um, 
uh, to limit their their deliveries and their uh, nominations out of the Bakken uh, onto the Enbridge mainline hmm. um, by approximately 50,000 barrels a day. So, I mean, that further is going to lower how much capacity right. goes north um, on the Enbridge Bakken line. Secondly, the Plains Bakken line actually just opened up a tariff where they're accepting uh, volumes from Canada going southbound. So, so they just it. yeah, so they just added bi-directional service, so oh, it can okay, go both okay. ways. Um, so this. I think it was March March twelfth. Uh, I think it came online. This came on right after EdCop uh, EdCop oh, offered service connecting into um, to Collierville, okay. which which uh, which feeds the Valero uh, Memphis refinery. So so huh. Plains Bakken line can connect to Dapple, which connects to EdCop and, and can now feed the Valero refinery. So that came on on the eleventh and twelfth of this month. So. I mean, the, the big thing about that is, though, is that that's just another piece limiting uh, northbound capacity and potentially bringing more into the Bakken. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we look at back half the year, you're going to be constrained going north. Um, we're already constrained going to Patoka mm-hmm. on the Enbridge, North Dakota line and on Dapple. And we have about 30,000 barrels a day left going to Guernsey of space. Um we look at the Bakken and I mean, we still expect it to grow, uh, not as much as last year, but we still, we, we have it growing about 167,000 barrels a day in 2019. Um, so you need, you need incremental takeaway. Um, you're, you're going to fill up those pipelines to Guernsey. Um, and then beyond that, you're really going to have to rely on railing. And right. if you run out of railing there, one spreads have to make railing economical. Right. For people What's to show the economic up. spread for railing out of the Bakken? So that's tough. I mean, I would say for the marginal, so it's probably, it's cheaper for some of the refineries that they already connect to getting to the Gulf coast. Um, it's a tough number. A yeah. ballpark seven to $9, I yeah, think is probably um, where we widen out uh, in four Q18. Um, so you're probably looking around that uh, to make those incremental railing to start making sense. Um, I would note that that's only makes sense when the WTI, um, the WTI to Gulf, Gulf Coast spread mm-hmm. is pretty wide. So when we see that tighten this year, that's actually going to put additional pressure on those East Coast railing uh, volumes out of the Bakken because the price they're getting is going to be tightening it. Even tighter. Yeah. So that makes it a little bit tougher. You might right. need a wider uh, discounting because of that. That makes sense. Um, so, yeah, so we look at it. I mean, there are some projects that can happen to relieve um, this. I mean, Double H can do a 30,000-day expansion to Guernsey. Dapple can expand some more too, right? Yeah, the so RAs it's unclear. Yeah, it's unclear <laughs> how much they can expand, but uh, they they have said they can do a notable expansion. Um, how quickly is, is a tough one as well. Sure. Um, so that likely caps you know, how bad basis gets in 2020 because a Dapple expansion likely comes online um, to cap that. But if you don't have an expansion, you're going to see a lot of pressure by back into this year and next year. Cool. All right. Let's talk about our last bucket, which is the DJ. So we were talking earlier about um, what are some forgotten basins of the U.S. and the the DJ comes to mind, right? So what do you think is the dirty secret with the with this basin and what's what should an investor or someone who has any sort of exposure or interest in the DJ know about the basin and kind of an outlook? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say the DJ. It's hard, right? Because there's no price point um, associated with. So it's kind of hard to have a spread based conversation. 
Um, I guess that's kind of why it gets forgotten. Too. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, we can see it in contracts. Um, right. What what people are willing to offer. We've seen low twos offered over the last year, so that probably gives you a ballpark of what the spread goes for. But yeah, you're right. We don't have a, a daily a daily price for the DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, so the big dynamics with the DJ one. You, you mentioned it being forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably because the base has been largely overbuilt over the last two years. When yeah. Grand Mesa and Saddlehorn came online, um, it just made the, the crew takeaway situation and the DJ just significantly overbuilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's kind of changed, right? Like, wasn't Didn't Whitecliffs make an announcement or there's some contract roll-off or something's going on with Whitecliffs where the takeaway capacity is um, dropping uh, in the near future, right? So yes. can you say more on that? Yeah, so I mean that's the big change this year. In two Q, two Q of nineteen, White Cliffs is converting one of its twin lines to mm-hmm. NGL service. Um, White Cliffs today is two hundred fifteen thousand barrels a day of capacity. Okay. Um, they're dropping it to one ten. Uh, so what's interesting about that is they move, you know, almost one forty a day right now. Uh, they just came out with a tariff connecting into Saddlehorn uh, oh, okay. for two dollars and twenty five cents to get to Cushing for their nominations above their new capacity of 110 starting April. So, um, so Saddlehorn is in a position to actually get those, uh, those barrels, which is a good development for them. Um, but yeah, so the big thing about that is you're taking off 105,000 barrels a day of takeaway, um, for a basin, you know, ballpark, 900,000 barrels a day of takeaway. That's a substantial amount of capacity and you're taking away over 10%. Uh, so that's a big aspect. The other aspects is that the DJ is growing. Um, you, it's not talked about as much. I mean, it's growing slower than, you know, the Permian or the Bakken. But the big thing about that is that it doesn't have as much takeaway. Um, so, you know, it's growing roughly 55,000 barrels a day in our view in this year. Um, and you'll see it pick up once some processing constraints relieve this year as well. Uh, so we see this incremental production, a lower of capacity. And then furthermore, you're also seeing more supply out of Wyoming. Um, so uh, Saddlehorn last year, you know, connected their car uh, lateral to Cowboy Pipeline, yeah. which is a Plains Pipeline that connects to Cheyenne to, okay. to access volumes from Guernsey. Um, so we've seen that step up from about two to 3,000 at Wyoming to about 18,000 um, in uh, this last quarter. So one, we're just, ac- we're getting, the DJ is getting more supply from Wyoming. Um, the DJ is growing and capacity is going down. So when you factor that together, the basin actually ends up getting Notably tighter. Um, you're getting, you know, about to the 90% utilization by the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, that's enough. That's where the part. That's when you start to see spreads start to pick up and start widening. Um, so when you look to 2020, 2020, um, yeah, you're starting to get a situation where the spreads, you know, are going to see some widening pressure if you don't see incremental capacity. Um, now you you do have the proposed projects with Pony, uh, JD oh, yeah. with Kinder. That's so right. if that goes through. It probably takes until 2021, but and that would tighten it. Added takeaway takeaway does that put in? So it adds 450,000 barrels a day of takeaway, but that's between Guernsey and the DJ. Yeah, um, right. More of that would likely be focused on Guernsey, okay. so that's a little bit of a tighter situation. They need capacity a little bit more by the end of this year, yeah, so right, right, right. Um, you get more barrels there. But that would be something that would uh, why, uh, tighten the spread again if that came online. Magellan's also. Uh, Saddlehorn is can also expand by 110,000 barrels a day. Probably doesn't make a lot of sense in the very near term, um, but it's something that if sprites were to get wide, um, you could see that come online. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just 
the situation, the DJ is probably the one that we don't get many questions about, but, uh, I mean, it's going to be good for marketing arms, um, like for tall grass, for Grand Mesa, uh, you, you likely get a little bit better spot rates. Um, it's better for recontracting for all the pipelines. Um, so that's it. That's an environment where you're, it's going to, I mean, takeaway is going to, uh, available takeaway is going to tighten a lot this year. So it's going to put some pressure on the spreads, um, especially going into next year. Cool. Well, sweet, Kendrick, that was really helpful. We covered a a lot uh, in a short amount of time. So um, if any of you are interested in any underlying data that's um, backing today's episode or anything that Kendrick talked about, we have not yet databased Kendrick's brain, but um, we do have some data that's underlying um, uh, the things he talked about. So feel free to shoot us an email at insight at eastdaily.com. And we'll also gladly take any feedback, comments, or ideas for future episodes. Also, if you have any questions on the midstream sector or oil and gas fundamentals generally, feel free to shoot them our way and we'll make sure to answer them on our next episode of The Medge. And speaking of our next episode, stay tuned because we will be covering winners and losers from the latest earnings season. Um, That's all I've got for you, unless you have anything to add, Kendrick. No, that's it. Thanks, Jimmy. All right. Um, Thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you next time.